This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride and today I'm joined by Dave Prentice, Adam Jones and Gav Buckland as we chew the fat on all the major talking points at Goodison Park and we preview a new season, seven weeks after the end of the previous one. The Blues are back in action, Spurs on the opening day of the season, Sunday 4.30 in London. So we'll be obviously looking at that game, of course. The season as a whole, our thoughts, our hopes, our expectations, the business Everton have done, the business they need, still need to do, perhaps, and looking at who will be the main players this term. Um, so we'll we'll start with with the squad. Obviously, the transfer window remains open. Uh, it remains open to October the fifth, and obviously that extension for the EFL uh, October the sixteenth. But you know, look, it looks now like the bulk of the squad is in place. The incomings, Preno. As we kick off on Sunday, is the squad stronger than it finished? Um, yes, absolutely, undeniably. Um, doesn't mean that there's still work to be done, uh, but having been a little despondent, a little disillusioned maybe uh, a couple of weeks ago with the prospect of a new season looming, there's a definite area of excitement amongst Evertonians now, and it's because we've got an entirely new midfield, which was absolutely necessary. Um, we needed more energy, we needed more aggression, uh, we needed uh, basically different players, which we've got, and they're good players, so definite mood of excitement, but there's still a little bit more required, uh, and that's underlined almost certainly the fact that Mason Holgate isn't going to be available this weekend, we're down to two fit senior centre-backs, um, I know Jared Branthwaite possibly negates the absolute urgency of uh, bringing another centre back, but you know you wouldn't like to go through an entire season relying on a youngster um, who's only played a handful of games so far. So certainly centre back also still needs attention, still cover, maybe you know, in the right back positions depending on what happens with John Joe Kenny. And then we keep talking about uh, a wide player. Maybe that's less pressing now, given that Yamas Rodriguez. I don't know how you pronounce that. I'll just say Rodrigo, shall I? Um, uh, is like, like to be the guy playing off the right and, and cutting in. And that's the one that's got everybody excited. That understandably so. You know, he's a World Cup top scorer six years ago. Uh, he's, you know, I don't know, outstanding third season for Real Madrid. So, yeah, absolute, you know, so air of excitement about the other signings that have been made. But, yeah, we still need a couple more, I would think, just to be absolutely, you know, sort of ready, rearing and, you know, able to handle what the Premier League can throw at you. We'll come back to individual signings in a minute, but Adam, same question to you. Is the squad stronger going into Sunday than it was uh, the, the squad that finished uh, the previous season? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I don't think that's in any doubt. You think you've got to agree with Preno uh, there. It's amazing what a, a few new signings can do yeah. for the whole morale of the fan base, isn't it? Because, you know, it wasn't so long ago, maybe two weeks ago, that there were, you know, a few questions being directed at the board and, you know, you, you were seeing some fans who were getting a little bit concerned about the state of Everton's squad uh, coming up so close to uh, the start of the season. I think probably that hit, it, hit its head uh, when the, the went 3-0 down to Blackpool a few weeks ago in what was you know, quite, a, quite an awful pre-season showing. But, uh, you know, from that point on, you know, Carlo Ancelotti is just absolutely highlights exactly what, what needs to be done in the Everton squad and fair play, Everton have managed to give him what he wants you know it's these it was that midfield area that was causing so many concerns and the signings of Allen and Decore in particular you really think that they're just going to 
add that little bit of bite, add that little bit of energy to the Everton midfield that was so desperately lacking. I mean, you look, you even look back just to the last time that we played Spurs, who we've got this weekend, of course. Like, you know, the amount of the amount of times that you saw Everton's midfield bottling out the challenges and you know just not being able to keep up with the Spurs side that really didn't get out of second gear in that game. You know, that that will have acted as a real concern to Carlo Ancelotti. So. You know, to, to be able to get these midfielders in especially is amazing. And then, as Preno says, to bring in somebody of the calibre and star power of James Rodriguez, who's got so much talent behind him as well. That's just the cherry on top of the cake, really. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see where he plays, you know, whether he plays, you know, in the in this centre, in a midfield three, or whether he cuts in from the right, right-hand side or not. And I think that might dictate uh, what kind of work Everton do still need to do in the summer, because... Obviously, if Hamas is going to be playing in a central role, then you'd probably say they do need still another winger to come in. Uh, right back is still an interesting issue, although John Joe Kenny's now been given the number two shirt. So does that mean that he's you know got a certain amount of faith of Carlo Ancelotti? Yeah. You know, his uh, his press conference yesterday would seem to suggest that he does have a certain amount of faith in Kenny and uh, Niels and Kunku for left back as well. So. Yeah, I think it'll be really interesting to see what happens over the course of the next few weeks in terms of more transfers. But I think a lot of Everton Everton fans are going to be more than happy going into the first game of the season that you know these three players at, at least have been brought in. Gav, based on the assumption that you you you're in full agreement with Adam and Preno that the squad will start the season stronger. Um, <laughs> Never ever assume anything with Gavin. Yeah. <laughs> um, strong enough to realise ambitions that have been set out by Ancelotti this season, which essentially is European qualification. Why do I always get the answer? I always say it person I always get the, the you know... You get longer to think Yeah, uh, I, yeah I, I think so. He said yesterday, but we'll put it this way, I haven't spent the money we spent and the players he brought in and we just the balance in midfield. It would be disappointing if, if say, no, I don't think we're good enough for Europe. It will depend, though, and going back to my previous podcast points on Carlo getting the best out of the players who are not, who would exist, you know, yeah. who played last season, who are still at the club. Whoever they are, bear in mind that we, we expect a couple of them to go. Yes. Um, so if the new three and maybe a few more, a couple more, integra- integrate themselves with... The rest of the squad who play to their ability, then I think European football, you know, could be more a probability rather than a possibility, even. Um, especially because Carlos got his feet under the table. So yes, they'll answer your question. And then just a quick one before we move, we we leave the sort of the strengthening aspect. I suppose if there's one position there for Preno, um, if if we could say one position still needs strengthening the most. Um, where would you like that to be to be done? Wow, it's 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 a really tough one. This, and I think it all comes down to personal choice. Um, centre back, I've already articulated why I think you know. So we mm. need probably would be centre back. I was going to say striker. I mean, Calvert Lewin and Richarlison. You know, as reliable as they are, I'm still not sure about Moyes Keane, and I'm certainly hoping that we do get you know so a much better second season from him. Now he's had a full twelve months to. You know, get used to the Premier League, uh, what Carlo Ancelotti wants. And obviously, he scored the goal against Bournemouth. You know, he's, um, I'm still not sure. I, I still like to see a lot more from him. So, you know, I would have said that. But 
centre back is the area where we clearly could, you know, sort of come a cropper quite easily. Yerry Mina, his fitness record has not been great since he arrived at the football club. Mason Holgate, you know, has just picked up. You know, we don't know how quite how bad, you know, so the, the latest injury is. Michael Keane's had his problems, you know, so um, you know, injury-wise, you know, a fractured skull, I think, no less. So it shows you, you know, so just how difficult, you know, how likely that position is to maybe pick up injuries. And I wouldn't like to go through an entire campaign, like I say, with just a, a very young but promising lad in Jared Branthwaite. So to answer the question, probably centre back, I would say, but with a question mark over me with a striking position still. We certainly got away with with three centre halves last season, didn't we? And it was a case of us getting away with that. And obviously, of course, the news that Mason Holgate likely to be up to six weeks out. Obviously, the club are hopeful it wouldn't be quite that long, but that's the that's the fear at this moment. Um, Adam or Gav, any any difference of opinion on on if we were to strengthen before the end of the window on on one position? Any difference of opinion on, on centre half or or in agreement with with Dave? Uh, go on, I'll let you go, Cav. Seeing as you're always third. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See the new new season already moaning. Um, yeah. I, I, I think yeah, I think centre half definitely. I think given Holgate's injury, but a few people have said about a goalkeeper, hasn't it? Mm. A backup keeper. Interesting. Um, about whether the current sort of sentence that we've got there is 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 right, and whether a Challenger to Jordan, however you would look at it, would be something that would be useful to us. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna throw throw that one in as something that perhaps might be looked at. Mm. So just as we um, just as we record this podcast, and obviously it will come out after uh, after we finish recording it and upload it. Um, bit of breaking news: uh, David Unsworth and Leighton Baines are taking on new prominent roles with the club. Um, Leighton Baines, as we uh, understood, he will take on a new coaching role uh, imminently and uh, Unsworth is to be appointed the club's new director of academy. There you go. Breaking news wow. on the pod. Um, right. Yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll, I'll uh, sift through a bit more detail as we, as we go on. But yeah, a bit of, uh, bit of news there, Unzi and Bainesy confirmation. Um, okay, so um, Prano, back to you. Um, of of the three signings, you, you've you've very sort of articulately exuded the virtues of James Rodriguez. Is he the, is he the the one of the three senior signings who will make the biggest difference this season? No, I, I don't think so. Uh, you know, I think he was um, quite accurately described as maybe the cherry uh, on the cake for me, Alan. You know, so we were so lacking in a midfield enforcer, a guy with energy, a guy to break opposition, attacks up and use the ball uh, effectively. In other words, a replacement for a Jessica Gay, which we've never really um, sorted since he went. I just think Alan fits that bill perfectly and he's exactly what we need. Decore, to a certain degree, but you know, slightly different quality. He's a bit more you know, an up-and-down player, box-to-box player. Rodriguez, we're excited about, you know, sort of the quality he can bring. We know the kind of goals he can score and the kind of creativity he can bring, which is something else we've lacked in certain areas. But for me, Alan, uh, I think, is the biggest signing of the three by some way. Now, that's all with the caveat that, you know, he's coming into the Premier League. It's a very different style of football to Italian football. But I'm confident that he can handle it. Uh, and, you know, so he will, he will flourish. So, obviously, I've uh, been wrong many, many times in the past. But, you know, <laughs> Up to three, I think Alan is the one that really excites me the most, and I think is the most necessary. 
Adam, same to you. Which which of the three will will have the biggest impact? Do you think? Um, I still think it's going to be James Rodriguez. You know, I just think the the sheer quality that he can bring in terms of his delivery from the flanks. You know, how many times did we say last season, even when Everton were playing well, that the two strikers were stabs of service up front, and you know, a lot of the times they were creating the kind of chances for themselves that they were putting into the back of the net. James Rodriguez is going to be a player wherever he plays on the pitch, whether it is inside that midfield three or whether it's on the right flank. He's the kind of player that you're expecting will be the man creating those chances for these strikers. And obviously, he's got the kind of quality to uh, to back a few goals himself. You know, we've seen so many times, especially last season, that we're just not getting enough goals from midfield. Hopefully, Decore can, uh, can chip in with that as well uh, if he plays regularly. So, but I just think James Rodriguez, with with the amount of quality that he can bring, not just in terms of play playmaking, but potentially getting goals himself, I think that could be a huge difference for us next season. Gav, same to you, pal. Of the three, um, who do you think will when we when we sit back in at the end of May and go, wow, he had a, he had a hell of a season. Yeah, Alan for me mm. to agree with Venno. I mean, the same in terms of. Impact on the club, you'd have to say Rodriguez, wouldn't you, in terms of the club's profile yes. and reputation off the pitch? Uh, on it, I would say Alan, but I think Decore gives us something different, doesn't he, mm. as well? I think we need to acknowledge that we've not really had a box to box midfielder can be effective in the opposition third since, dare I say, Rock, dare old Ross Barkley. Um, mm. And I think I'm looking forward to seeing him. Uh, he, he can dominate games physically. I still remember that game. Remember the night game against Watford, the 2 all where we scored in the last minute, and he, oh, yeah. he, Towering you know, he really terrorised our midfield, yeah. didn't he? Um, so I'm looking for a bit of that uh, from him, which you've not really seen. I mean, I'm trying to think whether you've ever had I mean, Fellaini wasn't really a box-to-box midfielder, was he really? You've not really had a powerful midfielder mm. at both ends of the pitch, you, you know, we've been... Get about a bit. Um, I think Fellaini so was just insisting play on playing him as a striker. <laughs> yeah, like number ten wasn't for his first yeah. season. But, yeah, yeah. Um, but I've not, we've not really seen that type of player many times at Goodison. So I'm looking forward to seeing to Corey's impact as well. But Alan, for me, just because I think he he rectifies our biggest weakness last season. Yes, absolutely. Um, sorry to jump around. I just uh, managed to just come. To- Come to a little bit more speed with the uh, with the announcement that was uh, that's breaking around us on the pod. So uh, just going back to David Unsworth and Leighton Bain. So as I said, uh, David Unsworth will stay as under 23s coach, but become the club's new director of academy. Uh, Joel Waldron moves from that position, uh, well, position of academy director, to become academy's chief operating officer. And Leighton Baines will become the club's first professional development coach. So a clear emphasis that Bainesy will be working with young players. Um, you work with first team play, young first-team players as well as some 23s and 18s and support and assist in all matters relating to a young footballer's professional development, working closely with Marcel Brands, Carlo and Unzi. Um, what do we think of, uh, of that news, Preno? You know, Bainesy taking on a, on a role to help, uh, to help the young players. I'm delighted, but also a little surprised. Um, mm. I thought Bainesy was looking to make a, a clean break entirely. And I go and focus on things, you know, outside of football. Um, when they talked about a new role, I anticipated some kind of, uh, I don't know, ambassador, not ambassadorial, but, you know, some kind of 
I know, creative role, but you know, to actually be on the training pitch, uh, training you know, so young players, I think is a magnificent shout. Um, we've spoken many times on the pod about um, the qualities that he has in the dressing room, what an inspirational character he is, uh, how so many footballers look up to him. And if he can pass on a little bit of that experience, a little bit of that enthusiasm, a little bit of that know-how to the younger players, it's a win-win, you know, so it's great for the football club and it's great for him. Unzi doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, I'm not quite sure what's, uh, what's changed there, to be honest, other than the change of title. Um, uh, there, is, there, there is some detail. I'll, I'll have to, yeah. you'll be able to read it on the website from, uh, from this afternoon. But yeah, I think it's a, it's a more a kind of fully all-encompassing role that he, you know, I think he's saying. Maybe the development, the wider development yeah. as well as his role. Yeah, it sounds, sounds like coach. broader responsibility, if you like, uh, rather than just under 23s, you know, looking after the academy generally. And mm. I know Dave, David's very, very highly thought of. He's been there a long time. Um, he's, you know, done many, many roles at the football club. Uh, and all the young players under his charge all speak glowingly of, um, you know, of the way he handles them. Uh, the way they develop, you know, under his stewardship. So yeah, it makes absolutely perfect sense to broaden his remit a, a little bit more. So two great, great pieces of news, to be honest. Um, yeah. So thrilled with both of them. Absolutely, and of course, uh, the hope, the hope when uh, the football club signed Niels and Kanku uh, in July was that he would learn from Leighton Baines. And obviously, when Leighton retired, I think there was a concern that 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 knowledge would have been lost. But it sounds very much in this new role that Bainesy will be working with players exactly like Niels and. Um, Player who has, who has impressed so far as we move into the new season. Um, okay, let's let's get back onto the agenda. Um, we dealt with the the breaking news. Um, Ad, you give me one player in the squad who will be the surprise package this season. Really. <laughs> 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 it's not a show for a question. Get his Gav moaning that he gets all the tough questions. Look at that. Now you know how I feel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. Can you count him as a surprise package? But I'd probably say Anthony Gordon. I'm expecting him to have much more influence this season than he did last season. Obviously, when we came back from lockdown, he got a a fair few more Premier League minutes. But before that, he was he was restricted to two Premier League appearances from the bench. Yes, West Ham and Chelsea. Uh, So I'm expecting him to just have. A lot more influence this time around, and you know he's a very, he's a very competent lad. I spoke to him after the after the Preston game in pre-season, and he was saying, "Look, I don't consider myself a young player anymore. I've got no excuses now. I'm a first-team player. I need to go out there and prove that I need, I want to be starting games." And I think that's what you want to hear from even a player so young and a player who's impressed so many people to hear him striving to improve himself that much. I think that's what every Evertonian wants to see, and. You know he's he's such an exciting player because he's you know he's got a lot of pace about him. He can find a pass, he can find a goal, of course. But he's just he's so intelligent playing in that air, playing either from the left or in that central role that we've seen him in in preseason. You know he just has a great awareness of where his teammates are on the pitch and an ability to find them as well. I think he adds something different to our wing options that we don't really have with the likes of Bernard and Theo Walcott. So I'm hoping that we get to see a little bit more of Anthony Gordon this season, even if we are to make, a let's say, an, another addition to our right right wing or whatever. I still hope that we'd we'd see a lot more of Anthony Gordon this season. And fingers crossed his meteoric c- progression can continue. And a player who, who will be absolutely thrilled in many respects to see Rodriguez at the club because he'd be able to 
imagine learning from somebody of that quality, you know, plays in similar-ish positions, doesn't he? And Gav, you know, same to you, is there a player that, that, that Evertonians are doubting and with good reason, but you feel can actually start to show what they're about this season, will fulfil the potential? You know, is it somebody who's going to benefit from this, this, this injection of quality in the midfield? Is there a knock-on effect? Or? Um, just going back to what Carlo said in his press conference yesterday, and I know we've alluded to it already, but spoke glowingly about John Joe Kenny, didn't he? And I wonder if John Joe Kenny will come back a different player for his experience in the Bundesliga for the mm. season. Um, I like I like the Bundesliga football. I think it's good. It's tactically really progressive. You know, German coaching methods, as we know, with young players are really good. You know, probably the best in Europe. Uh, he would have grown naturally anyway. I'm just wondering whether you'll see a different player. You know, now he's back in his home environment from what we've seen previously. You know, about two years ago now, isn't it? Really? Mm, yeah. Um, and 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 um, I think that would be, that would be that we we'll probably sell him next week now. But uh, <laughs> I think I think that would be an interesting interesting uh, aspect of selection. I think. There's yes. a difficult choice there, isn't it, for Carlo? Um, who's to play it right back? And I'd, I'd like to get, give give John Joe a run just to see if he's learned from the German experience and coaching. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Preno, there's, there's a lengthy list, of course, of players who... Uh... Who, who are being doubted, understandably, by by the supporters. But is there a player that you can think of, or maybe you have personal yeah. personal hopes for that can actually start producing the goods where as last season they perhaps didn't? Well, I think there's, there's a couple of players. Um, I mean, one player we certainly haven't seen anything of, which is Fabian Delph, who we knew mm. all about his quality and uh, you know, so what he could bring to the squad. And we haven't been given the opportunity to see that because of his ongoing injury problems, which still don't seem to be showing any sign of clearing up. Um, given freedom from injury and a run at it, I think he could surprise a few people. Obviously, you know, he's, uh, he's upset a few Evertonians with his uh, social media uh, pronouncements, but I think, you know, he's got the quality to do that. But the one player I think has been very, very unfairly targeted by a lot of Blues, and largely I understand why, uh, because of the size of the transfer fee we paid for him, I just don't think Alex Iwobi is anything like as bad as some Blues fans will have you believe. Um, I think he's got some quality, you know, uh, going forward, certainly. He showed a lot of defensive discipline towards the end of last season. Uh, the derby match in particular, he was asked to play a very defensive role and did so uh, very successfully. And um, I just get the impression that, you know, he was brought in for a big sum of money for a reason. Uh, and I just, I hope, you know, rather than believe uh, that we will see uh, a better performance from him given opportunities because there's no guarantee that he's going to feature all that regularly uh, mm. given the, uh, the the likely makeup of the midfield three or the front three at the moment so but he's, he's a guy I think could certainly produce better than we've seen already mm. speaking of uh, how the midfield may look um we'll we'll, we'll, we'll jump the agenda because kind of was neatly segued onto what I was going to ask we, we for regular listeners and people who are on the on our website um, we'll know that we, we you know we we pick teams ahead of every game that we would like to see. Um but Adam, rather than parking what you would like to see, what team do you expect to start on Sunday? It's really tough, isn't it? Because 
you'd usually expect Carlo Ancelotti to line up in a four four two, but we haven't really been doing that recently. You know, especially in pre season, it's been more of a well in the in the game against Preston, I'd say it was more like a like a four three three almost or a four one four one with uh, with Gil Gilfie Sigurdsson as the defensive mid in that in that scenario now, which I would have loved. Well, well yeah, <laughs> I doubt we'll see that again. I'll say that much. Uh, I'm expecting to see Alan start. Uh, certainly, uh, Decore is an interesting one. Uh, we've been scouring uh, Everton's training pictures over the last few days, and we can't see him in there. Now, that's not to say he's not been training. Of course, he just might not have been. He might not have been pictured. So he was maybe taking the pictures. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm not quite sure what what to do with him either. Um, I'm probably expecting to see a midfield three of Alan, Gomez and Sigurdsson, if I'm if I'm strictly honest. Yeah. And then Rodriguez on the right, Richarlison on the left and Calvert Lewin up front. That's probably that's probably what I would expect to see. And to be honest, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be hugely against it. I think it's an improvement on what we went to Spurs with last season for a start. So uh, and it it allows us to get a lot of attack and flair on the pitch, you know, with likes of Richarlison, Rodriguez, Calvert Lewin, Gomez. Uh, as well, uh, offers a lot of attack and flair, so I'd be fairly happy to see that. Uh, I'd, I'd, if if Decore is going to be fit to play and he has been training, then I'd like to see him in in uh, instead of Gomez, perhaps. But yeah, but apart from that, yeah, I'd like. I, I think that's a that's a solid team ish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gav, same to you. I appreciate the back four, perhaps other than right back, is 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 relatively expected to be. Keane, Mina, Luca Dean, one of Coleman or Kenny, and then obviously Pickford in goal. Yeah. What about the players in front of them? What do you expect to see Carlo do? As Adam said there, it depends, first of all, what shape he, he has, doesn't he? You know, Spurs play 4 3 3. Might want to match, mm. match up. Uh, keep having a nightmare of that Chelsea game last year where they're three run rings around our middle two. I'd be at Spurs midfield slightly different. Um, so I, I can't I can't see Rodriguez start myself. I know he said did he say he's had four training sessions? Yeah, and another one club, today, I think. So, so. Yeah, so that doesn't seem to me like he'd be anywhere near match fit. I think the other Decore and Alan a little bit more uh progressed a little bit more in terms of their fitness. I think they've been training but not necessarily with their, their team. So I suspect they'll have more fitness. Um if he, Looking at four-three-three, I'm not I'm not sure to be honest. You'd obviously have the two lads up front. Um, I th- you may have. Uh, I don't know whether we've got. I don't think we've got a squad to play. I'm just thinking of the top. Yeah, play four-three-three at the moment. They've got the right players. We don't have Rodriguez, you know. Um, mm. I think Gilfie might play. Okay. Uh, so that's that's three midfielders, isn't it? Well, Pennell mentions a Wolby there, didn't he? Maybe. Yeah. Well, it wasn't involved in Preston. We didn't. Preston, uh, we weren't yeah. quite. We weren't quite able to get to the bottom of why he wasn't playing. But yeah. Uh, but what's interesting, did, did, what's interesting about Sigurdsson though is that like Angelotti seems to really rate Sigurdsson, doesn't he? Whenever he spoke about Sigurdsson over the last few months, he speaks so highly of him that I just, I just always kind of expect to see him in his starting lineups. To be honest. Wasn't he a skipper mm. at Blackpool? You know, you don't make somebody skipper if you're yeah. trying to like alienate them and like shove them out of the football club. Yeah. Do you think 
four four two four three three. No, I mean Spurs. I think are going to go four two three one. That's what you know. So the the, the suggestion is they played one preseason friendly so far uh, away at Watford where they got beat. You know, which is uh, which is quite heartening. Uh, but you know, suggestion is Hoyberg and Sissoko will hold with Son, Lascelso, and Bergwin with Kane up top. So you know, if we went for a four-two-three-one, um, it just seems to suit the personnel we have better. That's second guessing Jose Mourinho, which is never an easy thing to do. Uh, but you know, and that's if Decore is fit. But you know, you've got Decore and Allen. You know, so there you've got um, Richarlison off the left, Rodriguez off the right, Calvert Lewin in the middle, and Gomez probably is a you know so slightly more advanced Gomez or Sigurdsson, depending on which way um, Carlo would like to go. And I think. If that's matching, you know, so what Tottenham are doing, I think we've got the personnel that you know, suits that better uh, than going with the four-four-two. Uh, we don't know. I mean, that's what makes it so appealing this game because we, you know we're, we're going to be really surprised when we see the team sheets drop, and even then you're going to be scratching your head thinking how they are going to fit in, where they're going to uh, play. So yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. It's uh, got a real sense of anticipation and excitement about the start of the season. And helped by the fact that you know so many of the early, early games we can now actually watch. Obviously, we physically can't go to them, uh, but we can actually sit and watch. You know, the first four certainly. So, yeah, there's a real sense of excitement. All right, friend, I'll, I'll stay with you for, for, for this. So, this is the real meat of the, of the pod in terms of the key question um, for a season preview podcast. You talk about your excitement at the season starting. How will the season have to finish for you to be uh, chalking it up as a successful campaign? Um, it needs to be significantly better than last season, not just better, significantly better, because last season was such a washout, which is why, you know, so Carlo Ancelotti is here now. Um, I think European qualification is an ambition, and I think that's a stretch, to be honest. Um, but, you know, for me, progress would be top seven. And, you know, whether that means uh, sneaking into uh, Europe via the back door with teams above us winning cups and who knows. But the big thing, winning a trophy, I know it's easier said than done, uh, but you know the, the first two rounds of the uh, the League Cup, you know, I've got absolutely nothing to fear, and uh, the first few rounds of the League Cup are going to be over very very quickly. So provided that we show that you know so due care and attention, great, you know, so yes, we can actually you know so make progress in that, and then um, you know so think about maybe getting closer to finally landing a little bit of silverware. So yes, I mean that's got to be the absolute ambition, and I was delighted to hear Carlo Ancelotti talk the other day about uh, you know our ultimate aim is to you know to win the Premier League okay that might be many many years down the line but you've got to be as ambitious as that so yeah win something you know so either get to the League Cup final make progress in the FA Cup and I think top seven top seven is a realistic aim uh, you know so without going too silly but you know if that means that we do qualify for Europe by the back door I think we can say yes at his first full season in charge of the club and we've seen tangible progress. Um, Gav, come to you. Same question. What's a successful season for you? European uh, qualification would be great. Um, I that, think that was the phone, and not you going. That was yeah, <laughs> I, that was me. That it's sort of phones for sure. So, uh, that fell over in shock, you know. Uh, <laughs> Earthquake yeah, in my Yeah, I think to be honest with you, yeah, we're in a far better place than what we were at the start of the season. But there's something there to build on quite clearly for the following year where we know the areas that we need to improve in 12 months' time. It's a bit like Koeman's first season, isn't it? Finished seventh. Yeah. But then it wasn't exactly clear what we needed to do mm. to, to then push forward. 
hence the nightmare transfer window in 2017. I, I think something I'd, I, I would really be seeing as progress is we obviously you're paying qualification, but in a far better place. But we know where we need to improve next at the end of the season to, to get to the next level. And uh, that's what I'd be looking for. It's not just a standalone season for me. The key thing is is having a progression into the into the years that follow. I, I think, to be honest with you, I think this is our most important season of the Premier League era. Oh. Because oh, I, I think I don't want to be it like a, you know, every silver lining as a cloud is is it can't go wrong, can it? For the start, but we've got good players in. We've got Ancelotti's manager. If we get it right, then we, we know then that we've got a manager with experience and some good players to take us to the next level. As I say, which wasn't necessarily the case in 2017. So, and, and bear in mind all the machinery money and all that that's being spent in the new stadium. I think this is a massive season for us. Say the biggest we've had in the Premier League. Um. Without wanting to complicate matters, when we talk about Europe, um, we probably shouldn't forget that the start of the 2021-22 season will be the UEFA Conference League, a rung below the Europa League, this new competition that's coming in. So are we still saying that Europe of any description, even if it's the third tier of European competition, is still, still a success or does it have to be Europa League and above? No, I mean, Europe has to be a, a target. And if it is in the, the third tier, it's, you know, we reluctantly accept it. And, you know, it doesn't have to be the Europa League. You'd like it to be the Europa League. You'd like it to be the Champions League. Um, but, you know, if, if it's only the third tier, I use only in inverted commas, well, all right, you know, so be it. I mean, let's face it, you know, Middlesbrough and um, other clubs in the past have, you know, gone via the Intertoto Cup, which was mocked uh, at the time. And ended up getting through to the final so you know it can actually do a football club real good uh, progress in the so-called minor european competitions so yeah don't scoff at it don't mock it just because it's new uh, it's european football uh, and everton needs european football carlo ancelotti says himself you know he's used to working on three or four days uh, for every single game and wants to be performing in that fashion so yes you know the, if it's if it's the uh, uefa conference whatever the hell it's called <laughs> you're I'll, the conference I'll, league I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll embrace that Ad, um, in terms of a successful season, what what uh, merits success for you come uh, come the end of May? Uh, I think Prano hit the nail on the head. Really, I think when you're talking about the word success, like by definition, you really need to achieve something throughout the season. So, to consider the season a success, I'd have to say Everton really need to win a trophy. I think that's got that's got to be the main aim for me. Like, obviously, a trophy then brings European football with it. So, I, I think that that should be the absolute pri priority. Uh, you know, obviously, it's it's a bit embarrassing, really, that Everton have never won the League Cup throughout throughout the club's long history. <laughs> <laughs> to be to be fair, uh, it's rather embarrassing that Everton haven't won the FA Cup since 1995 as well. And you know, to be able to brush to be able to brush those uh, horrible records off the books would be absolutely huge for this squad, I think. Because I think as soon as once you get that little bit first bit of success, then the potential for that to spitball into something a little bit bigger is you know it becomes it becomes a lot uh, a lot more likely and you know we're bringing in players with you know the 
the profile and the quality of James Rodriguez and instantly he's saying, I want to win trophies with this club. You know, he's won eight domestic league titles already in his career. So he's thinking to himself, right, I want to come here and I still want to keep winning things. And if we want to keep attracting these kind of players to Goodison Park, you know, these type of, you know, big name, top quality players, then we've got to start winning trophies. So to consider it a success, I'd say, yeah, we need to win a trophy. I think Everton obviously will, will like, if let's say if Everton finished sixth or seventh, I think that'll be a very, very good season. Don't get me wrong, because obviously we finished 12th last season. That'll be, that'll represent a massive improvement. And as long as we see improvements, I think everybody's going to be happy. As, as long as we can see, you know, where the, like the, the club's going in the right direction, you know, the club is on the up, I think everybody will be happy. But for it to be considered a, like, by definition, success for me, I'd have to say a trophy, a trophy has to happen. Okay. Good stuff, chaps. Well, we've we've almost come to the end. We've talked about squad transfer, season predictions, how we think the team will line up on Sunday. Um, but of course, and obviously, we've had the yeah, the breaking news about David Unsworth and Leighton Baines chucked in the middle as well uh, to keep us on our toes. But of course, before we uh, finish, we have to start a new season with the uh, customary predictions round. Everton, uh, I'll start with you. Everton going to Spurs on Sunday, four thirty kickoff. Uh, what will be the score? Uh, Tottenham Hotspur is a, a stadium which we never enjoy visiting, regardless of where it's been. Uh, we won three times in a row between 2006 and 2008, and that broke along you know, sort of moulds of defeats there. But since then, I think there's been 12 visits. We've had four draws, lost the rest. Uh, it's a place that we just hate going to. So we're going to win 2-1 this weekend. I just think there's such, there's such a mood of... Um, excitement around the uh, the place as a result of the three signings um spurs you're never quite sure what you're going to get out of them and you know you're never quite sure what you're going to get out of you know so jose Mourinho. but i don't know i'm just sticking my neck out i mean the, the long odds are three to one i think to win or you can get seven to two um but i just think there's a real mood of excitement around the place i mean we don't know what kind of lineup uh, we're going to see so jose Mourinho certainly won't and i think we could just catch them by surprise so it's not like me to be overly optimistic, I know, uh, but I'm going to go for a victory. I'm going to take the Sam Carroll uh, route and uh, say that we're, we're going to win 2-1. Um, Gav, I was in a, in a fairly decent mood this morning until an email from your good self dropped and I read all those absolutely horrific stats about, <laughs> <laughs> about, uh, about the record at Spurs and, and yeah. I'm thoroughly, thoroughly depressed. Um, yeah. what, what's your prediction for Sunday? It's uh, yeah, it's dreadful. Is it? Was it the only win at West? Only win in London in three years was at West Ham a couple of years ago with the two 0 So not just Spurs in London at the moment. It's just London full stop, isn't it? But I, I'm with Preno. I, I, I momentum. Adam was talking there about momentum and success and stuff. And momentum can be, you know, really important. And you get this. There is a sense of momentum. On and off the pitch at the moment of the club, and I, I think, I think hopefully that can carry into Sunday. And I, I, you know, and I know it's unusual circumstances again, no crowd and stuff, which I think will help us. Uh, and so I, I'm, I'm with Preno. I'm going to say something with the warning. I'm going to go for an Everton win. I'll, I'll go one nil. With the caveat that, as that fella said to us on Twitter last year, I was the worst predictor. <laughs> so I'll, I'll put that enormous caveat against my prediction for, for, for Sunday. 
Okay, one nil. So Adam, we've had a two one and a one nil. Um, what about your prediction? Well, my head would usually be saying a one one, but my heart is saying a two nil. So I'm going to have to go with my heart, considering that the other lads have gone for wins. So yeah, I think a two nil. As Gab says, like I just feel like there's a really good feeling about the club at the minute with the uh, with the new signings in, and even if all the new signings don't start, I think it's just given everybody else a bit of a a bit of a lift, and I'm hoping that that uh, that lift can can carry them to an important three points to start the season. Okay. Um, not, not quite as optimistic as, <laughs> as you think because, because I read Gav's email. Um, yeah. <laughs> we won't lose, but I think I think we'll get a 1-1 and, and, and I think we'll see improvements. I think that's that's going to be, you know, certainly a huge takeaway, isn't it? That we'll see a midfield that's competitive and, yeah, I think we'll get a point and, and, and play well. So, we're, we're fingers crossed that you three are correct and, uh, and I'm uh, overly pessimistic. But uh, as I Gav's email will terrify any blue. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff, chaps. Well, thank you very much for your company. Excellent stuff as always. Brilliant opinion uh, and insight as ever. And thank you very much for listening. Of course, we'll be back next week to review the game, then preview, preview Salford, of course. And then, of course, at the end of next week, look ahead to West Brom the first game of the season back at Goodison. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.